Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got another better than this guys being dudes dudes to the right dudes to the left stuck in the middle with you got another dude heisman trophy bronco nagurski award ultimate dudes got another dude o-line you bunch of dudes a lot of dudes yeah another dude in the house welcome to the lot of dudes podcast presented by fourth and dude Brought to you by Boston College 24-7 and Armchair All-Americans, Season 3, Week 5. As the great philosopher Chumbawamba once said, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. After getting demolished at home by the Jayhawks the week before, BC responded by taking care of business at Rutgers by a score of 30-16. On today's episode, we'll recap how A.J. Dillon and the O-line put the team on their back, talk dude or pood, and preview the Eagles' first divisional game of the season versus undefeated Wake Forest next weekend. Matt, a, a win's a win. Bottom line, 3-1 and one this morning feels a hell of a lot better than 2-2. Two and two. I legitimately don't know that I'd still be breathing had we lost to Kansas and Rutgers in back-to-back weeks, but we clearly have a ton to work on before ACC play starts up next Saturday. Uh, before we get into it, today's Rutgers recap is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Matt, we're now almost a month into the football season and we're starting to get a good idea of who's good and who's not and who's going to win all of the big games. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why you got to go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. They include all kinds of props, live betting, parlays, futures, you name it. No matter your style, the football season is the best time of the year to bet, period. So you don't want to miss out on the action. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, we're recording this on a Sunday morning, an early episode this week. So the one o'clocks are kicking off in just under under two hours. Any hot picks you're putting in today that will be out of date by the time this episode is released uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah, my Sundays are just one giant parlay. So I'll I'll, I'll parlay every single one. I have have action on every game. Um, And it's funny being a Patriots fan. Like I I watch the Patriots, but I mean, they're going to win. Correct. The Jets. By a lot. So, you know, I'm really a red zone guy. um, And yeah, I just, I bet the full board. And one of these times, these massive parlays are going to hit, and I'm going to be like a billionaire, and I'm going to retire from fourth and dude. Yeah, I mean, honestly, all you need is to just hit one over the course of like 10 years, and you're and you're good to go. So maybe that's today. We'll see. Anyways, let's get right into Rutgers. I don't know your thoughts on the game. Again, like I said, a win's a win, but I, I th- there's a lot of issues. Let's just say this. They're, they're- well, first things first. I mean, there's a million different ways that this game could have gone wrong. And the fact, Correct. That, that, the fact that it got the win... That's the most important thing. We touched on it last episode. You know, this this was Rutgers' most important game in the last decade. Uh, their coach was was very much coaching for his job. Um, I haven't heard any you know any action on that front. If he's going to go down, like the the reports uh, a couple weeks ago basically said that if he didn't win, he was gone. Uh, haven't heard anything yet, but you never know. There's a ton on the line as far as recruiting. You're on the road versus a Big Ten opponent. And then most importantly, obviously, we got our doors blown off last week and Kansas pretty much gave the blu- the blueprint to how to beat this team. So with it, with all that said, the bye week, I think I, if I didn't mention that, I mean, everything was going in Rutgers' favor. And if there was ever a time we were going to lose to Rutgers, it was going to be Saturday. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, I think, though, you look at, again, the defensive side of the ball, look, it's Rutgers and like their, their scoring output has not exactly been very strong. They couldn't get on the board against Iowa. They did score against UMass, but I think a high school team would. But we got burned again by the explosive plays. And that is something that is very concerning to me as we, you know, and we'll talk about it in a little bit once we get into Wake Forest. But 
the ACC, for all of its flaws this year, there are still a lot of explosive athletes um, that we're going to be seeing over the next, what, eight weeks. So uh, I, I, I have some concerns. I'll just, I'll say that. Sure. But but let's let's hit on the defense first. I mean, obviously after the, the showing last week, that was the most concerning unit and that was the, the unit that everyone wanted to see how they would respond. And I'd say, I don't know, I'd give them, what, a C? There was definitely improvement, yeah. but, but you know that's saying literally nothing based on how last week went. Yeah, they were miles better, Abs- absolutely miles yeah. better. But yeah, like you said, it's it would be impossible to be any worse or even the same. At this point, I guess at least we know who we are. You know, we we probably lead the NCAA in missed tackles and explosive mm-hmm. plays allowed, and we are nearly dead last in, in sacks with only three sacks through four games, which is uh, uh, we played some pretty terrible offensive lines. So that's not a trend that's that I expect to go up, which is concerning. And so, and so that's just who we're going to be. The good news is we force turnovers. We, we lead the NCAA in turnover margin. So that is a wild stat, by the way. I saw that this morning too. Bomb tweeted it out. Like I, I, I physically, I don't understand that we just got five against, against Virginia Tech, but that is, I, I, my, my jaw hit the floor when I saw that. Yeah, and, and that's just who we're going to be. That's our identity, and uh, it kind of reminds me of, of the Seattle Seahawks, I think, one year. Weren't actually a good defense, but they forced like four turnovers a game, so they were known as this this great defense. That was when they had Sherman and all those guys that, that had a bunch of picks every game. I'm not I'm not calling our defense the, the Seattle Seahawks of the you know mid uh, <laughs> the Legion of, the Legion of Boom yeah, here. All right, I'm, not, I'm not quite saying that, but what yeah. I'm saying is you know turnovers are absolutely enormous in college football. And 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 Matt, I, I know we I go back and forth on this every week, but my final answer is that these turnovers these are forced. These are our athletes getting the, getting the hand on the football. I know the Mikey Palmer one in, in garbage time was kind of you know whatever, but the one uh, in their territory on their own 12 yard line, I think. Brandon Barlow got credit for it, and and Mediala truck finally scooped it up. That was nerve wracking for that was five, like the balls bounced going around on for for a good five. I mean, seconds. I get it when you're that close to the end zone. Like, I think it's it's got to be very appealing to grab it and score. And I think three guys went for the scoop and score, and and none of them succeeded. But yeah, that was uh, and that was right at the end zone at the at the BC side of things. So we were able to to watch it in the flesh. That was like one of the. It felt like it felt like ten hours basically watching that ball bounce around on the ground. But I guess all is well then as well. Yeah, it was a huge swing in the game too. So we can't say enough good things about our defense's ability to. Force turnovers, uh, but as you were getting at these big plays that keep happening, it really starts with Rutgers' first touchdown. That was you know an ag- absolutely egregious seventy-four uh, yard screenplay. And watching it back, I mean, you kind of feel for Bill Sheridan at this point. I mean, we don't have the personnel obviously to get pressure on the quarterback. So Rutgers had a third and four. We did what looked to be a, a jailbreak blitz, and uh, and Rutgers you know drew up a pretty good screen pass. They got their uh, you know their running back Blackshear out in space. But which what should have been a ten yard gain ended up being you know again a seventy four right. yard right. gain because two or three guys got just just absolutely it took horrible angles on the ball and um, this tackling thing I don't think ever ever is going to go away so we're in big trouble as you said when we start to play p- teams that actually have athletes on their team and, and not Rutgers yeah I agree with you and then you know like you talked about the the lack of pressure is so concerning again zero sacks against a Rutgers offensive line is is unfathomable especially a Rutgers offensive line that is you know behind for most of the game so they're throwing the ball a lot and then zero hurries uh or at least zero hurries in the stat sheet there was the one in the final pick that he was definitely rushed out of the pocket and did have to throw the ball quickly so i'm not sure why that wasn't marked down but like these are major points of concern i think in all of our years past where we've had strong defenses it started up front and it started with pressure and you know we saw it last year but you know, with Zach Allen and Zach King Cole getting to the quarterback within, you know, two seconds every play. Of course, that's going to leave a thousand balls up in the air for Hamp to pick and for Dennis to pick and Will Harris to pick, right? Like, it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg scenario. And it's very possible that the secondary would not look nearly as bad had, you know, our, if we were getting more pressure on the quarterback and causing more things to open up. So for me, it all starts there. Uh, I think that, and and I know you'll be talking about the linebacking court a little bit, but I think it kind of does need to start with them and they need to pick up a lot of that slack, uh, whether it's, you know, more aggressive blitzes or again, uh, we're not X's and O's guys, but just you got to get a little bit creative. I mean, this is not sustainable, especially once we get into ACC play. If you just let these quarterbacks sit back there and throw all day, they're going to pick us apart and put up legitimately over a hundred points a game. Yeah. I have a lot of nitpicks with the secondary. It's, it's, it's not just their inability to stay on their man uh, in the passing game, which is clearly an issue. But the general lack of awareness when they're nowhere to be found, when the running backs get to the second level. I mean, we remember last year, Will Harris, he was a guy that was, you know, literally all over, all over the field. He was in on every single play, it seemed like, because he's one of those guys that had a nose for the football and, and knew where the ball was going. There's still so many times where, 
you know, it's it's a running play. It's clearly a running play. And our guys are still, you know, 30 yards down the field trying to cover them in. It's it's crazy to me that this is still happening. And it, I think that should be a, a coaching thing. It's, hey, you know, why don't you get your get your head around and, and, and figure out where the football is and make a play. But I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, we, we took guys like, again, like Will Harris, we took guys like him for granted. But, you know, you look at the stat sheet after the game and yeah, he has 10 to 12 tackles. And without those 10 to 12 tackles, then, you know, those are big explosive plays. So that's number one. And then, you know, this this guy, Arthur, no, there's no H, so it's Arter. Arter, Arter, no, Arter. No, no H, Sitkowski, yep. who, not to be mean, but one of the worst quarterbacks in recent memory, NCAA history uh, last year. We allowed him. That's to not co- mean. That's like that's not mean. That's just a statistical accurate statement. Yeah, I said it in kind of a mean way, so I, f- I feel bad <laughs> about that a little bit. But we got absolutely dog walked by a guy that is literally Trevor Lawrence could do what he did with with one arm behind his back, three hundred yards, a sixty nine percent completion percentage. Matt, if if there's one positive to say, I will say I'll, I'll give this defense a little bit of credit for locking down in the red zone. Obviously, you know, holding Rutgers to those three field goals. If those are touchdowns, then, you know, we lose that game potentially. So uh, I'll give him a little bit of credit for that. And, and again, maybe that's just who we are. So we're going to give up a ton of yardage and uh, we're going to give up big plays. But if we can bend but don't break, except we'll break a couple times probably. <laughs> um, but then, you know, force turnovers and then hold them to field goals. As long as our offense is explosive enough, you know, that could be a recipe for for winning games. It's not what we're used to at BC, but I think that's who we're going to have to be if we want to make any sort of waves in the ACC this year. Yeah. And, and, and Daz talked about that in the preseason. That was kind of, you know, one of his common refrains in the, in the press conference was, you know, look, we are going to give up points, but we have an offense that's going to be explosive enough to make up for that. And we might win games, you know, 55 to 50 and we're okay with that. And, and on paper, I, I can live with that idea as well, where my concern is, and we can go to the offensive side of the ball now, is that, again, the offense has not lived up to that billing, right? And I think that this is now two weeks in a row that I think we've seen the very bad version of Anthony Brown. Um, Tony Touchdowns has been missing. He, again, went 13 for 25 for only 159 yards against Rutgers. That's just, that's just not good, right? And, like, that's not going to cut it against ACC defenses. It's only going to get worse against ACC defenses. It's so frustrating because we know how talented he is, and we've seen, you know, whether it's not even just, like, sparks, but, you know, full games against Wake Forest and for full stretches of the year, he's looked amazing. But to miss wide open guys by 10 feet, it's just, like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if, again, it's, a, it's you know, possibly a road game. Like like we said, there was a lot of emotion playing against a lot of former teammates with, you know, I'm sure a, a big contingent of family in the in the crowd. So maybe there are some other things going on and more the mental side of it. But, you know, I think we expected more out of this Bajaki and Brown relationship than what we've seen so far. I will say the positive is that I, I do like that we're starting to run him a little bit more. He carried it for, I think, 11 yards. But I don't know why we're not just using like the Tyler Murphy playbook of, of you know, basically the bootleg option. It's kind of like the option is either AJ up the middle or him up the middle, um, which is probably not the most efficient. But again, the bottom line is that the offense, and we know it goes through him, like we know AJ is going to be AJ. We know our running game is going to be great, but we need AB to revert to Tony touchdowns so that we can win these games 55 to 50, right? Like that's, that's the bottom line for me is he needs to go back to who we know he's capable of. And that's why it's so frustrating because he is so talented and, and I just don't know where he's gone. Yeah, I didn't see us take a lot of deep shots downfield. I would have liked to have seen that. Um, we know that's sort of his wheelhouse if he if he has one. Yeah, Kobe wasn't involved at all, uh, and Zay Flowers only touched it like five times. So yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if we. It seemed like if maybe that was you know like we talked about against Kansas, right? Like when you're playing better people, just run the ball down their throat and beat them up. Maybe that was the idea here. Was we don't need to hit these guys with flash. Let's just break them down and and which is ultimately what we did. So I guess if that's the play, then it, then it worked. Yeah, and we, and we talk all the time about how to establish the run to set up the pass. At this point, I don't think we're capable of doing that. And, and AB is well documented. He's, he's your guy. I think, I think you covered it. I don't have a lot more to add other than I don't think that's something we can, we can really count on anymore. I, don't, I just don't think it's going to happen outside of the flashes you know, that we can't predict at this point. Sometimes he'll show up and be able to throw the ball downfield. But the one constant is this offensive line who I, I just want to give all the credit in the world to. Between the offensive line and then Dylan, um, who also is underappreciated, just you know, a, a, a quietly leads the country. Or yeah, six save of, it. Hey, save it, save it, save it for later. But yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I'll get there. Which part? <laughs> D- Dylan or... Can Dylan, talk, Dylan, what, what you can, can go talk the line. Yeah, you can go I, talk about the line. I have nothing to add about the offense if, if you take away Dylan. So. No, I say, yeah, so I'm talking <laughs> about Dylan. You can talk about David Bailey. You can talk about the yeah. line, anything there. Just, I mean, just save Dylan. All right, so you go back. I'll focus on David Bailey's touchdown then. Can okay. I do that? Yeah, um, please. Th- I mean, that play was was outstanding. John Phillips had an awesome, I, 
and here's where I'm going to get exposed on my offensive line lingo, but uh, he, I saw him pull, and I think he sealed... He did a great pull block, yeah. And he sealed off the edge, I think. Um, and the whole line was was excellent on that play, uh, giving a, Bailey a huge haul, and, you know, that's all you need. And, you know, then you have a 250-pound man, uh, you know, against safeties, and, and no safety wants a piece of that. So um, so that was huge. Overall, they were all outstanding in the run block. I mean, these guys are, are very much underrated. Really can't give enough credit to, to the guys like John Phillips, uh, ben Petrula, my guy. Vrabel's been outstanding. I, I could name five more that have all been playing at, at such a high level. And it, it, it shows in the, uh, the uh, what's it called? College football focus or whatever it's called. Yep. Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, they're all very highly rated. Advanced statistics. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Our guys at 24-7, I think, track something too, that, that all have these guys you know, very high, highly rated, both in the run game and the passing game. So just want to give those guys a shout out there. We also said last week, you know, it, we should be run heavy until Rutgers proves they can stop it, which should really be the game plan against any inferior team like Rutgers. And Rutgers never really proved that they could stop the run. And I think I said last week, Matt, 70% w- w- should be the, the breakdown between rush and pass. And guess what? They ran it 70% of the time. So I'll say this, Matt. Daz is clearly a listener. Um, and yes. if, if he's listening now, then um, and if he wants me to be co-offensive coordinator, I'm happy to do that. Are you free? Are you free next Saturday? Are you going to be in the Boston area? Yeah, I can only do weekends at this point, but okay. yeah, I'll make it work. Yeah, no, I hear you, and I, I, but I think it extends even beyond just the inferior opponents. I mean, I think that running the ball should be our our mantra for for you know the, the ACC play as well. And I think it's kind of funny when you think about it, right? Like for the first I don't know six years, everyone's been complaining that all we do is run and we should be airing it out. And now that we've seen that in practice a little bit, and and maybe it's because we've got this awesome stable of running backs and this great offensive line. But I think clearly we're now realizing that that's not the way that we're going to win football games, which, again, fits Adazio's you know, style and skill sets perfectly is just to pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. And I, I do think that we're going to find success there. Again, though, we just do need to supplement it with the aerial attack for the sake of balance and for the sake of, you know, when we do fall behind against against some of these teams. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a wildcat situation or, or I mean, I, I still think AB's obviously, you know, capable of, of again, big, big. He, he'll have at least, he'll have a couple massive games. Like there's no question sure. about that. Over the course of the next eight games, he'll put up a couple, you know, like all American stat lines basically for a couple weeks. The question is, is can he sustain it and then not even sustain, you know, that level of, of, you know, like the Wake Forest game last year. He doesn't need to do that for every game, but his down games need to be just like fine. Agree. Yeah. And, and I think it's every time we pass the play, you know, the, the play in Madden, uh, four verticals, I think it is where everyone yep. just runs go routes. Yep. I think that's what we do. And then, you know, he can, he can get Bailey involved in the screen game. Outside of that, I don't see a lot of merit to, to missing our tight ends in the, in the, you know, 12 yards downfield. He wasn't even close single. to them, too. Yeah, he was he's, like he's throwing th- the ball 30 feet over their head. It, it, yeah, it, was, feet, it was tough and, to watch. And right. I, I'll, I'll give him credit for not, you know, he he's, takes very good care of the ball. It's the reason our turnover margins is so high is because we don't turn the ball over, although I might have jinxed him. And hopefully, you know, that <laughs> doesn't happen. But um, it, and part of it is because he's he's so erratic. I mean, he doesn't give anyone else, anyone, anyone a chance to, to catch the ball. Not our own guys, not the not the other team. So <laughs> for better or for worse, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's the crowd catch it. That's that's the silver lining. I guess if you want to go there yeah no I agree and then the only other thing I, I want to add personally is again I'm happy with what we're seeing on the uh, kicking side as well Boomer drilled another 37 yarder good on all the extra points except for the bad snap or whatever that was on our on our last touchdown that ended up just kind of being a scramble um, I didn't really see what happened on that I don't know did, did you get any intel or rewatch that one back no someone said we we it was a it was a planned fake I didn't oh I really think that okay. was true but no that I, feels at that wrong point, when we're up 14 points to go up I mean yeah I guess I was in I the know. concourse at that point I was I was looking for a snack I think okay yeah that's that sounds about right you want to get into dude or pood here okay I'll, I'll give you my pood and this is a little presumptuous because I'm not I don't have all the details here. But Matt, are we ever going to win a coin toss? <laughs> I, are we Are we zero for four? This I don't, is news I don't, to me. I don't know, but I, what, <laughs> yeah, I, what, I do know, yeah. what I do know is we've started with the football every single game. Well, and, that could be a preference. Well, I but I, I figured you know everyone's kind of conformed to the you know how Belichick does it. Fair. Where, yeah. You know you kick so that way you can you know you can get the you know the two minute drill at the end of the first half and then you receive and it's just it's a good way to kind of put the dagger on, on other teams. So I, I assume everyone does that just because that's what my guy Bill does. If not, then yeah, maybe we do want to start with the football and maybe Mix we're it up a little maybe, bit. maybe yeah. we're winning every coin toss. I don't know, Matt. <laughs> um, but but I guess the the good news is that we've scored uh, on our first possession three straight times. 
But the other side of it is if we are losing uh, every coin toss, um, someone should tell Tanner Carafa and, and Ben Glines that tails never fails. So um, I'm going to shoot them a message, I think, once we get off the air. Yeah, as a math guy, as a math guy, I can confirm that that, that logic checks out. Uh, that's news to me, though. And that's, uh, I think, a subplot to watch for the rest of the year. I don't think anyone's ever gone like 0-12. But if we're 0-4, that's, that's obviously not ideal. Right. So that's my poo, but there's a dude in there because we keep racking it. We, we keep scoring on the first on the first drive. Well, also, it's a pe- potential dude. Maybe we're 4-0 in the coin toss. True, exactly. So we don't know. That could if go anyone way. knows, let us know because we're, we're <laughs> definitely either 0 for 4 or, or I guess we could be. And I don't know, Matt. I have no idea. Could be anything. <laughs> we'll get the research team on it. Um, all right. I'll go for, for my dude. I'm going to go with the regional games in general. So Rutgers is obviously a New England uh, rival. We've got Big East history with them. And I think it's it's a good game to have on the schedule. Certainly, they're not a, a great power five opponent and, or a big name or we're not packing a, you know, 100,000 seat stadium. But I think overall, it's a it's a fun trip for the players probably to go back and and, you know, play in front of their family and friends. It's easy for the BC alums in a, in a major metro area. So there was a, a ton of, you know, Eagles out there yesterday. And it's, I think, good for recruiting as well. New Jersey is a very fertile ground. I think we saw combined like 7,000 Petrula and Valdez t-shirts. Um, so that was awesome. And again, you're getting like families together at the tailgate. Like we were at a, a our spot yesterday was hosted by, you know, one of our good friends from Boston College who comes from a big Rutgers family. So it's like a little blend because you're in these regional games. Everyone's kind of, you know, everyone has a tie to one school or the other. So overall, my dude is, is these regional games. I think it's I think it's good for the program. I think it's good for Northeast college football in general. I wish that UConn didn't stink as bad as they do because there'd be another one. UMass, same thing. So really Rutgers, you know, I guess you could round up to Syracuse though. That gets rid of the whole metro area and having friends and family nearby. So really Rutgers is kind of our best option right now. This is a game that I would I would gladly take on the schedule every year. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we saw everyone. We, we made a lot of friends and, and it was it was cool talking. Everyone, everyone has a tie back to New Jersey, it seems like. And um, you know, it's great that we got the win there and we can keep that recruiting, you know, in-house. So that's that's big for big for from that standpoint as well. That's a good one, Matt. All right, my dude is the the fact that we are officially a third of the way through the season, right? Three out of twelve is is that right? Or four yeah, yeah, a four, third. yeah we're third, yep. Jeez. Good um, job. And so we're three and one, which, you know, while that's not perfect and the way we got here likely wasn't what a lot of people expected. Three and line three and one is, is pretty much right on line with a lot of people's preseason predictions, I think. And now upcoming, we'll get into it, but we have a three-game season before the next bye, which is seemingly a preview of what we just saw. I, I, I sort of liken Wake Forest's ability to Virginia Tech. Louisville is very similar to Kansas. And just to piss off NC State fans, they look a lot like Rutgers thus far. They stink. They got oh their doors God. blown off by <laughs> a bad, so bad. pretty bad West Virginia team, and they almost lost to Ball State. Not well, by almost, the way, West Virginia just snuck by Kansas. That would have been huge for us if Kansas could pull out I, that win. I think I they was, ended up losing by like five points. I was rooting so hard for Kansas. Yeah, that would have been. A, they'll, win, they'll win some games, and like, and, yeah. and that will be slightly validated. But they need to pick them up quickly. Like, we can't be the only Power Five win they have all year. Yeah, uh, and, and so I know the way we got here again is you know has pissed off a lot of people. And um, people are calling for Daz's head and all that. But we're three and one with a chance to go fourteen and one, and uh, pretty exciting time to be an Eagle. So keep the positive, keep the positivity train moving. I guess. Yeah, that's a good. I, I completely agree. Again, on pace for. Uh, if we don't make the playoff run pace for nine and three, which I think we'd all take at this point. So overall, you have to like that to do a quick move back to the negative side for my pood. I'm going to call out the false starts. Uh, there were like a hundred false starts in the game yesterday. Specifically, we had seven penalties for 45 yards. So just doing the math. I mean, the average there is around, uh, you know, five or six yard penalty. So those are primarily false starts and, and, you know, encroachments and things like that. They always come we on just, third down too, it seems like. Yeah. They're the worst. Like we, we had, a, we must've had five on third and two that then made it third and seven. Like it's just absolutely, again, we can get away with it when we're playing a team like Rutgers who are just better than and can kind of beat down, but we need to be at our best and we need to play our best game if we're going to win in the ACC beyond, you know, the Louisville's or the other horrible teams. We can't make these mistakes and shoot ourselves in the foot. Again, giving up five yards on a third down or, or, or pushing us out of field goal range, whatever it might be. These are just unnecessary errors that need to get cleaned up. And it's, you know, we talked about how great the offensive line is. So it's a little bit disappointing because this is, again, one of the best units, but this is the one black mark, I guess I would put on, put on them and, and just something again that needs to be cleaned up. We can't shoot ourselves in the foot. We're not good enough to get away with that. So that's, that's my pood. And then the other one is I got an awful sunburn because I just, I did not anticipate, uh, it being as sunny and hot as it was. So I'm very uncomfortable today. Matt, I look like the Red Power Ranger today. Um, 
my face. I, I, I didn't wear a hat. I don't know why, but I didn't wear a hat. I figured I'd go. I, 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 don't, I always wear a hat. I chose not to wear a hat. And my face is sunburned. Good call on the penalties. Uh, it's it's not typically, uh, you know, characteristic of this Boston College football team. In years past, we've typically been pretty clean, pretty disciplined. So it could have something to do with the new D coordinator. Maybe that's not something we're emphasizing in practice. Uh, but yeah, it was something like seven or eight penalties for 50 yards. The good news is I think Rutgers had 10 penalties for 100 yards. So uh, we did win from that standpoint, the uh, the penalty battle. But yeah, that's gotta, the all-important penalty battle. Yeah, got to clean that up going forward. All right, so my dude of the week, Matt. It has to be Sax Richardson, my guy. Uh, 14 tackles, 10 of which were solo, two and a half tackles for a loss. Absolutely put the defense on his back. Uh, And he sort of got blamed last week, somewhat rightfully so probably. But he got thrown in with everyone else for, you know, last week's defensive letdown against Kansas. But this this uh, this week, he, it seemed like he took it personally. His energy on the field was absolutely contagious. He was running around, hyping everyone up around him, and was just in on the ball in every single play. It seemed like so. And and I'll say this too. I mean, everyone forgets that we're we're shorthanded out there without McDuffie, who was you know one of our best playmakers last year. And so to have Sax Richardson step up huge without McDuffie in there, um, we certainly needed it. And, uh, and hopefully we can keep that going moving forward. Yeah, you and I talked about it a lot earlier in the year and in the offseason that we we needed the linebackers to, to be the anchor of this defense, which clearly we were, were correct on because it's not going to be the secondary. It's not going to be the guys up front. So seeing a, a great performance out of him was very encouraging. And again, something that needs to – a trend that needs to continue over the next – um, you know, couple a uh, couple of weeks if if we want to pick this defense up and and get to become an ACC caliber and win I'll, some games there. I like the way he tackles too. He's he's like violent. Like he <laughs> had one one of his tackles was like amazing. By the way, it saved a touchdown. That yeah. shoestring tackle on I don't know they were driving. They were on probably like the twenty or the thirty, and there was nobody in front of I, I don't know if it was Blackshear or someone else, but he made a tackle from like a hundred feet away. Yeah, and he's getting no help from the secondary. Right. Um, so he really has to be the guy out there, and, and without him in there, we probably don't win that game. And Rutgers probably puts 40 on us. So he was absolutely huge to that victory. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then for my dude of the week, we referenced it earlier, but I'm, I'm going with AJ Dillon because he's just had an underrated awesome year so far. Like I, I don't think when we talk about these games, when we go through them, he's never the first guy that we're talking about. But the reality is that he's still putting up you know, All-American-esque numbers. He's six nationally right now with 468 yards and six touchdowns. Picked up another 150 and two touchdowns yesterday. I don't know why it's it seems so under the radar. I'm thinking maybe it's because he doesn't have as many breakaway runs like he did last year. And, you know, last year he had the 50-yard touchdown against Wake Forest. And even in the UMass and, and Holy Cross games, he was ripping off like 100-yard runs. And then, you know, we saw it against Miami, whereas now it's much more sustained. But it's still 10 yards at a time, pretty much. He's just running it, you know, 15, 20 times a game. So absolutely love to see that. I think that We've talked about it many times, but we need him to be who we need him to be. That doesn't make sense, but you get my point of we need AJ to be AJ. Very eloquently said. Yeah, thank you. So it's so AJ is being AJ. He's just doing it maybe with a little less flash than before, but I'm perfectly okay with that. So I I love to see what what he's uh, producing so far. Yeah, and maybe people don't realize the impact that he has even on those five yard runs where he's just punishing the linebackers like. And and it results again every single time, and we see it in the fourth quarter when this when this team puts you know f- you know five to six minute drives together, the defense is gassed, and it's because he's been literally punishing them all game. So yeah, he, he's not ripping off you know like you said fifty yard runs. He's not necessarily uh, stiff arming people's faces into the ground like he has in years past. But d- make no mistake, I mean he is this team's best player, and the effort that he puts in is absolutely instrumental to you know, this team's ability to close the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of wearing teams down. And that's, I think, the way that we're going to win is just by cracking that rock and, and you know, bowling teams over. So I love to see it and hope that continues again as we get into conference play in six days. Let's move it into Eagles in the wild. I'll go first, too. I have two. So first, I, I we ran into MJ again at the tailgate. He was coming around. I just I can't say enough good things about him. He's like the most personal. I mean, he's we see it on social media of how personable he is in person. It's like times 100. Like this guy is just the best. Um, so really hope he doesn't leave anytime soon. And then I'll also say the other good news is that the fourth and dude Martin Jarman curse is officially over. I know that we talked about that last week against Kansas because you met him before that game and we were thinking maybe that was the, the, you know, cause of the bad juju, but clearly that's not the case. So you know, I'm, I'm glad we can put that one to rest. 
And then the other Eagles in the wild is just in general, a shout out to all of the New York Eagles who made the trip out. There was so much maroon and gold at Penn Station, on the train out, in the stadium, at the tailgate lots, whatever. It was just like a great, great, great BC crowd. So it was awesome to see everyone out there ran into a lot of uh, fourth and dude listeners, which which we always appreciate. Great catching up with everyone out there. So shout out to the Eagles fans for making the trip. Yeah, we, we touched on mine already. It was just how many players families we got to talk to um it was it was really great and a lot of these guys you know know who we are which is cool but but getting to talk to to some of the families was awesome and like we talked about the the jersey connection already um and then just going back to to martin i know you said the curse is lifted but i don't know that my personal curse is so we're still we're still 0-1 when i meet mj we're 1-0 when you meet mj so i think if we're going to keep this going you know for future games i think i have to leave uh, similar to how I, I, I left at, at, in an opportune time to go over to check out the, the Brewfest situation, uh, which was actually pretty cool. And I was looking at the marching band and, and talking some crap to them, which I probably shouldn't do, but um, <laughs> whatever, slipped out. And uh, in, in the 10 minutes that I was gone, MJ had, had made an appearance and, and met Matt. So that was cool. I was, I was I proud to say too. Yeah, I want, I want to say too, I, I want to just tap myself on the back here for how cool I played it. Many people are talking about it. People were coming up to me like hours later saying, wow, man, like really impressed with you know how personable you came off. So little bit of a credit to me. Uh, it kind of worked that out time-wise. Feels, like, feels like, like fake I, news. No, that's completely true. Honestly, you can talk to anyone about it. So uh, I happened, I was coming out of the bathroom. So I saw him talking to our group. So I had my moment to collect myself. Whereas if I just saw him walk up, I might've been a little starstruck, but played it super cool. Didn't bring up anything weird like the emails or anything like that historically. Just uh, talked about working out at 6 a.m. because that's just what workout guys do. Uh, but overall, again, really proud of myself for for handling that so well and representing Fourth and Dude eloquently, as I'm sure you did last weekend yeah, as well. The- the beers probably helped. I, I, uh, oh, a, for sure. A, a sober mat would have uh, sprinted in the opposite Correct. direction, yep. I think. It would have been very, very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, great. So that's uh, so that's Rutgers. I think we can move this into... Uh, do you want to do Duteous Corpus this week? Yeah, I got a couple things, Matt. All right, let's uh, head into the courtroom. First one, this is actually a legitimate legal issue that we are talking to our in-house uh, attorneys on. We've got a couple in the Fourth and Due Network, by the way, which people forget. We just we've got some we've got some legal insight here. So uh, we are officially submitting a cease and desist in Appellate Court uh, to ESPN. Appellate. I, I think that's a that's a type of court. I'm sure. Appellate. I think. Appellate. Is it appellate? I believe so. Yeah. In the in the appellate court. We are submitting a cease and desist. ESPN on their 8 a.m. Sports Center yesterday had a dude of the week segment, which I thought was just completely over the line. Uh, I don't know which one of their producers is a, is a big fourth and dude listener, but you know, please, please come clean and, and prevent that from happening. We don't like ESPN. They're they're very unfair to Boston College, at least in my opinion. I think every fan probably feels that way about you know all all major networks. But I will never forgive Reese Davis for you know all the all the stuff he talks about. We have like field hockey lines on our football field, which hasn't been a thing in like thirty years. So um, I'm out on them for that. And then the other one I want to bring into the courtroom, Matt, is Pitt a legitimate national hold championship on, hold contender? Hold on, hold on. Before you move on from the the game day crew, Lee Corso is very much on our list as Correct. well. So Correct. obviously he went viral for party in the modes, which we capitalized on. We made koozies. If you want one, hit us up in the DMs. Matt controls the mailing, but I think you can mail them ah, out to people. Lot. It's a lot. It's I'll be honest. Logistically, it's a lot of work to have to go to the post office, that office. You're better off just finding us at Dewey's or, or Brighton. But continue. Okay. Well. All right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Corso was obviously on our good side, and then he picked Rutgers to beat us. I believe. I didn't. I didn't see. Ooh, it, I didn't see that. Yeah. That's one, ugly. one of uh, someone. Someone mentioned that that Corso picked Rutgers. So not great there. Um, so Corso, you were wrong. So you're on our list there. Um, if you pick us to beat Clemson in a few weeks, you can get back on track. Correct. Um, yep. So it's sort of a, a prove it next few weeks for Corso to see how bad he wants it. Yeah, I think. And, and if we think about honestly, like if we appear on the game day pick them list, I think we'll definitely be on it next week with Wake Forest because that'll probably be like a three point line and it's early conference game. So I feel like that'll definitely be on there. And then, you know, probably NC State as well. So we'll be he'll have the opportunity to write that ship. And I guess all we can do is hope for the best. Right. Yeah, it's a storyline to watch. Um, I think you were about to hit on the one that's big on my list too. Pitt over UCF. Obviously huge, yeah. huge absolutely huge for our strength of schedule. And Matt, did you see how that how that game ended? Yeah, it was a wild ending, and I think at this point Pitt has talked themselves into the national championship uh, conversation. <laughs> UCF is is you know of course as as they'll be the first to tell you always worthy of the national championship. So if you know Pitt's able to beat you, then I think. 
by by legal default. I don't know if there's a, a different term there. How about the cojones on Coach Narduzzi calling the Pitt special on fourth and goal with the game on the line, executed to perfection? Um, I have Pitt as guilty of being of pulling off one big ups, upset per year. Um, when we play them, I think it will be a dogfight. I think it's going to be a one possession game no matter what. I think they're, you know, they're, they're the real deal and they want to be, but I do think it's a winnable game. But I think that was their one big upset this year. Yeah, that's fair. And then the only other thing I want to bring to the courtroom is a question of is the ACC this year the worst conference in the history of college football? Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was a big win for the ACC. So that's, that's, it was. I know that's a bad, that's a bad segue, but like Virginia, who is now apparently our second best team, was losing late to Old Dominion. UNC, who again was a bright spot earlier in the year, lost to App State, which, you know, is still an up and coming D1 program. So that's not, that was tough. Right. That's not great. UNC really had the coastal mantle there for a while until they, they lost to, was it Wake? Yeah, they lost to Wake and then App State. So, so um, no one wants to be the second best team in, in the ACC. And, and, you know, again, Wake, didn't play anyone this week, so we can't speak to them. And NC State, did they lose again? Oh, no, they, they had a dogfight with Ball State. That's right. Yeah. Uh, not really true ACC, but Notre Dame kept it pretty close against Georgia, who, by the way, is my pick to win it all this year. I thought Notre Dame was going to go to Georgia and get smoked. So I'll give them I'll give them a little credit, like the least amount of credit in the world, because I don't want to give them any credit, but I'll give them a little credit for keeping it close. Um, they had a chance to win it at the end. I'm just, I'm a big Jake Fromm guy. I love, that guy's like the coolest. And he's, if I could pick, you know, one thing to be, if I could you know, change bodies with it, probably be Jake Fromm, you know, QB1 Interesting. Of, really? of Georgia. That's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wish okay. he played for the Gamecocks. They're my SEC team of the South. Everyone knows that, yep. Um, but yeah, big Jake Fromm guy. But anyway, let's let's keep this moving in the courtroom. Uh, yep. One other thing I had, Florida State took down Louisville. If you saw that, it was sort of a game of who wants it less. Florida State got off to a 21 nothing lead, then gave up 24 uh, unanswered. And something to watch for going forward is Florida State has potentially a quarterback controversy. Uh, James Blackman got hurt. Hornybrook, who's the transfer from Wisconsin, went in there. He looked pretty good, so that'll be interesting to watch. But I do think both of those games, I'm, I'm not scared of, of either team, so I think they're, they are both guilty of not being true threats to Boston College, but um, we'll see. I'm probably more scared of Louisville than, than Florida State at this I point, I kind of frankly. am, too. They're, they're, well, and, and, and especially, yeah, on the road is, is huge, and then they are explosive, and we saw it against Notre Dame. While they didn't you know, look great for the whole 60 minutes, they had some explosive scoring plays, which, as we talked about earlier, is going to be our Achilles heel uh, all year long. So I guess we'll hope for the best uh, when that comes up. Cool. All right. Anything else on your list? That was it for me. No, that's that's all I had. Again, it's, it's the big one is, uh, again, filing our, our brief against ESPN this week, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. All right. Court adjourned. Let's talk Wake Forest. Awesome, Matt. So before we get into it, the Wake Forest preview is brought to you by Blue Chew. Dudes, any of you out there looking to increase your performance on and off the field and get that extra confidence you're looking for, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, tailgate or mod party, and since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. They're prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay the $5 in shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our Wake Forest preview. Now, let's just get right into it. What do you have for fun facts here? Well, before we get there, one thing I was thinking of kicking around here, Matt, can we incorporate Blue Chew into my dude of the week? Because, Matt, I'm excited about how Max Richardson's or Sax Richardson's playing football right now. Okay. So you don't need Blue Chew, just to confirm. Oh, true. I, well, yeah, but it still works, I guess. Um, all right. So let's keep this moving here. <laughs> uh, my Wake Forest fun fact, Matt, did you know at Wake Forest, when they do their summer orientation, they play a massive game of Capture the Flag? Uh, for those of Ooh. you that, that it's, it's similar to BC where we play, uh, did you play dodgeball at yours? Yep. Yes. Yep, exactly. we, we play a massive game of dodgeball and it's really a sight to behold. They, they did it on the tennis courts that, you know, in the, where the Plex, uh, rest in peace, yeah. where the Plex used to be. Yeah. But quite a sight to see. You got all the, the D1 athletes are just whipping 90, 90 mile per hour fastballs at like the physics yeah, I majors. Shinsky, I had Dave Shinsky in mind. It's yeah, a little unfair. It's, it's, it's completely dangerous. And I'm sure the millennials have discontinued that um, at this point. But uh, but interesting fun fact by me there. Yeah, that, that's that's not bad. I'll say there's just nothing better to as a kid than like summer nights in the neighborhood playing a big game of capture the flag. 
just really brings back, uh, you know, a lot of nostalgia there for me. Definitely. Um, so my fun fact is Krispy Kreme donuts were invented in Winston-Salem. Uh, for my money, that is by far the best donut out there, at least of all the major chains. And actually, I'll say just in general, like I'm not a fan of, I know it's kind of become a new trend. Boston has a couple, New York has a couple of like these gourmet style donuts that are, you know, again, they've got like cereal on top of it and all these elaborate flavors. I don't need that. Just stick with your fastball and go with a great Krispy Kreme donut warm out of the oven that just knocks everything out of the park including dunkin donuts which i feel like you're going to take offense to because i know you're a big dunkin's guy i start every day with with well no that that's no free ads matt okay sorry that's okay um (laughs) all right let's move it into our next segment and this segment sucks and everyone hates it but we're gonna do it this one's gonna be great this week this one's gonna be great this week i really i i like this week it is our top five plus six man uh, movies slash television shows slash songs slash anything pop related culture. pop culture that took place in North Carolina or is somehow related to North Carolina, ideally Winston Salem. No, no, no. Ideally yeah, Wake Winston Forest. Salem. Wake Forest. There's enough to do just with Wake Forest here. Well, speak for yourself, Matt. Okay. <laughs> I took the whole state of North Carolina, so this will be interesting okay. to see how this goes. Why don't you kick it off? Sure. So the obvious pick for for first overall is Brian's song. So the heart-wrenching movie starring the great James Caan, uh, the story of Brian Piccolo, Gail Sayers, Brian Piccolo fights the terminal disease. I think it's, is it cancer or is it another terminal disease? Um, another, I'm not sure. Another classic movie that I didn't see. Matt, I got okay. I got yelled at a lot for not seeing The Godfather by friends, family, people on Twitter. It was brutal. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. That was that was not great. So this one, I'll, I'll admit I haven't seen Brian's song either, but I know it's a very famous and very sad football movie. And of course, it takes place with Brian the, the namesake Brian is a Wake Forest guy. So uh, clear number one overall pick there. That's like basically having Rudy when we play Notre Dame. Yeah, Matt, missed that one. was not on my list. Okay. So <laughs> glad you mentioned that. Okay. Um, yeah, so this segment is going to be brutal. Uh, for my two-hole, I have the Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> okay. Which, I'll hear you out. Which was shot somewhere in the mountains of North Carolina. So that's that's cool. Okay. That's all you got? Um, okay. My three-hole here, I have <laughs> I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, okay. That was shot in Southport, North Carolina. Um, which is again four hours away from Winston Salem. Yep, but it's somewhere <laughs> it's in the state, state of North Carolina, and that's a hell of a movie. If you haven't seen that, um, okay, what a, what a classic that is. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to a Wake Forest movie here again. Somehow you missed this. So a movie called The Fifth Quarter. It's a movie about the 2006 ACC Championship, Wake Forest, Demon Deacons. Really sad story. There was this All-American linebacker whose 15-year-old brother died in a car crash uh, in the offseason. So he changed his number from 40 to 5. And then, you know, every game, uh, the players would hold up you know, five, uh, five fingers to the whole open hand to start the fourth quarter, whereas a lot of just teams do four, but five to represent the All-American's brother. Uh, so a sad movie. It didn't do very well, but it's a good story. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is right around 50. I had never heard of it before, but it is noteworthy for this segment because it is obviously about Wake Forest football, which is kind of the the assignment. So I don't know how you missed that one, but also noteworthy, Matt, because the main character is played by the luck of the Irish guy. Uh, which guy? The the main the, character, the, the grandfather. Correct. No, nothing. The grandfather does not play the all-American linebacker. Well, that grandfather's the grandfather in Wedding Crashers too. I'm the pretty priest. sure. Yep. The yeah, priest. Exactly. Correct. Uh, is he? He might. He might still be alive. I don't know about that. Okay. Uh, and then for the sixth and final pick, again, a movie that is shot and takes place. Uh, at and around Wake Forest University, The Longest Ride. So it's a Nicholas Sparks movie that came out in the last couple of years. It's about a cowboy or someone who does like bull riding, but it was all about Wake Forest because his love interest, the main girl, is a Wake Forest uh, sorority sister. So a lot of filming at Wake Forest. She's a Wake Forest person, so probably wearing a lot of Wake Forest gear, I would assume. But anyways, that's that's... So I had three Wake Forest movies. You did not. So Matt, we're going to get back on track here with my sixth pick, uh, Talladega Nights, which was shot at the uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, as everyone knows. Um, and also Talladega. Also, uh, what? Well, yeah, you're probably right. Um, but that's I'm not assuming. What, I don't. I didn't remember. have yeah. that. I didn't have that written down. So we play Alabama. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So is, uh, um, is that Florida? Maybe Florida State. We can throw that around. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can I, I have that one? That. Can I have yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. You can save that. Yeah. All right, perfect. That's fine. Um, and then one honorable mention I had was Dawson's Creek was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, shout out to the fourth and dude chief legal officer. He's a weirdly big fan of, of Dawson's Creek. Okay. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> shout out to him as well. If he's not busy filing the cease and desist, maybe he can fire up some episodes later. And then there was a couple other honorable mentions that, that I had as well. Leatherheads, the movie with Jim from The Office and George Clooney was filmed in Winston-Salem and is about football. So that's you know closer to what we're trying to get at here. And then Eddie, the Whoopi Goldberg movie where she coaches the Knicks. 
I thought that was all a New York movie, but according to some Winston-Salem article, a big portion of it was filmed in Winston-Salem, took place in Winston-Salem, and a former Wake basketball player was involved in the movie somehow. I don't know if it was consulting or acting or whatever. So uh, overall, some good stuff there. I'm going to say that I get an A on that segment. Uh, I think that you were a little off base, so we'll work on it as the rest of the ACC schedule rolls on. Yeah, but from a group project standpoint, if you got an A, I got a C. Yeah. We both get a B collectively. Sure. Yeah, you were the Wetzel of this segment. Jeez, yeah. That's that's how rumors get started. He wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into Wake Forest tailgate ability rankings. Obviously, this is a home game, so we're going back to the scale of 30 Bud Lights. Um, Matt, do you want to kick it off this time? Yeah, sure. So again, as I mentioned, we're recording this on a Sunday morning. So I will just toss the caveat out there that we are six days away from uh, the weather forecast. So Matt, can I say something? Mean your weather forecasts have been brutal this okay. this I, whole I mean, season. I nailed, I nailed Rutgers. It was an Indian summer. I would agree with that. Thank it you. was it was a very hot day. I think but, I like got it to the degree. I think it was eighty six degrees on the nose. Yeah, I, I agree. But before that, you were like over oh, your prior three. So just putting that out there. Okay, I think you're incorrect about that, but either way, I'll move on. Uh, so it's supposed to be 77 and sunny, which is amazing at the end of September. Like it's that's that's a, 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 an excellent football weather. It's seven days out, like I said, so that could change. But wow, uh, ACC play is huge. It is exciting. It's a good opponent. Like it's a it's this will be a very good game potentially. I hope, um, but relatively, it's a small name versus a Clemson or a Florida State where you get a, a lot of alums. I don't think a lot of people really care about Wake Forest. It doesn't seem to really drive interest among the fans. So that's a knock on it. 3.30 kickoffs are just the best. Like that's the single best thing about this whole ACC network deal is the fact that we don't just get stuck to the 12 and one o'clock time zones anymore. So many 3.30 games. And it's, again, I can't say enough good things about it. So with all of that said, uh, good score, not great score, 22.6. Again, we're very close. Okay. All right. So yeah, uh, overall, it's not bad. Yeah, you covered covered the important stuff. I'll say it's probably your your last chance for a shorts weather tailgate. I don't think we have another tailgate. When's our next home game? Uh, NC our State. Next, it's, it's our last. It's our last home. Yeah, yeah you would assume yeah, it's our last home. Home short sale. Mid October. Yeah, mid October is your next shot. Probably pants weather right. there. Um, so something to think about. There's a different energy coming off a of W compared to a loss. Uh, I don't care if that win is Rutgers. Um, and then we've been through a lot with Wake Forest over the years. I guarantee this will be an entertaining game. They, they always are. They're always close. Um, whether it's three nothing or, or forty five to thirty eight. So it will be entertaining. Um, and I like their fans too. I mean, they're not like Florida State fans that are just garbage. They don't bring a lot, but the, but the guys they do bring are, are usually fun to talk to. So that all that said, I'm going 22.3 Bud Lights, Matt. Oh, wow. I mean, we're just right on the same page. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it, Wake Forest is a very pure school, I think, in terms of like personality. They're just kind of the Southern version of, of BC in a lot of ways. Yeah. So overall, good answer there. And let's roll into the football talk now for the final 15 minutes. I'll start. And really, I just have a, a couple notes here, but I'll... I'll Spoiler alert, I'm very worried about this game. Uh, candidly, they are an explosive team. Jamie Newman, their quarterback, is a big play guy. He is 32nd in the country right now in the passer rating department, which is pretty good overall. He's uh, put up 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. So doesn't turn the ball over a ton. Their season's been a little bit weird so far. So they had that good win over Utah State uh, in the opener and then a win over UNC that, you know, we thought was great, but they've since dropped to two and two. So we don't know about that, but it should be a shootout. I mean, they gave up a lot of points. They gave up 35 to Utah State, 21 to Rice even. So if our good offense shows up, I can see this playing out a lot like last year where it was, again, basically just trading scores all the way until, you know, late in the fourth quarter. I just, I have very little confidence right now in our defense's ability to stop them. I think they're going to score a lot of points. Yeah, I I, I agree. This is one that, you know, obviously they're 4-0 for a reason. They haven't played top competition yet. Um, they did get a, a good W over Utah State, uh, and they beat a, a UNC team that, is over, that had overachieved today right. and was looking like, you know, one of the better teams in the Coastal. So um, make no mistake, this is not your Wake Forest of old. I mean, this is a, this is a really good football team. It has been a good football team uh, ever since Dave Clawson came and did you know this matt in their in the 150 years of football did you know they're dead last in winning percentage wow like really any football program yeah they must have just been really really bad in the in the full deck full century of the 1900s i guess yeah because because really since we've joined the acc and this goes back to you know the mid-2000s obviously they've been pretty solid uh there was a couple years where they you know they went three and nine or or whatever but you had the the riley skinny years in the in the mid-2000s where I'm the Riley sure. Skinner years was a was a 20 year period. Yeah, yeah it was, that, it was spanned across multiple decades. I <laughs> totally agree. Um, but they're always a tough out during during those two decades that that Riley Skinner was there. Um, and then you know when and they won the ACC in 2006. I mean, 
in recent history, this is not a bad football program whatsoever. Um, and then Dave Colossen came in in 2014. He's led them to at least seven wins since 2016, which in my opinion is very Daz-like. Um, the difference is they throw him a parade rather than call for his head, but that's a conversation for another time. Last year, they beat Memphis in the Birmingham Bowl to go 7-6, and six. and this year, as we've said, they've, they've started 4-0 with wins over Utah State, UNC, uh, Rice, and Elon, maybe, some other team. Yep, Elon, 49-7 yesterday. Yeah, exactly. But, but to your point, this is an offense to be reckoned with. Uh, they have been pretty bad defensively, but, but this offense, uh, led by Jamie Newman, is an electric quarterback. We have been historically so bad against dual threat quarterbacks over the past few years. Um, so that gives me a great bit of concern across the board there. And, and that's even before we take how we played against Kansas. So we'll be a big, a, a ginormous test and one that frankly, I don't think we're ready for. They lost a big time playmaker in Greg Dorch last year, who I think lit us up uh, pretty handily last year. But this guy, Sage Surratt, Sage Surratt has picked up right where he left off. He's got 484 yards and five touchdowns through four games. And then they have this true freshman running back, Kenneth Walker III. It's been, kind of came out of nowhere, but he's been really good as well, averaging 10 yards per carry. So this is an offense with some playmakers, and if we don't bring our absolute A game, you know they could easily hang 60 on us. Yeah, and, and, and I think coming into the year, there were a lot of uh, you know experts or, or you know pundits out there who were saying that this is Wake Forest is going to be a good team, and if they were wearing you know Florida State jerseys or something like that, they'd be getting a lot of top 25 looks and and you know serious conversation as a legitimate. Uh, ACC contender, but to your point of of you know what has historically been a, a bad program, I think a lot of people just look at Wake Forest. Probably a lot of the ways that that people from the South or or you know Big Ten country look at BC is just like you know a, a walkover program. So I think there there's a definitely perception issue with them. I think there are a lot. You know, I think let me put it this way: I think that if again, if this was Florida State on on paper, and again they had the same abilities and the same players and all the same skills coming into town this week, I think BC fans in general would be a lot more scared about what's going to happen. So if you can look through the you know perception around Wake Forest, this is going to be by far our hardest game so far this year. It's really not even close. I think they're miles better than Virginia Tech, which you know was was certainly not the easiest Saturday we've ever had. This might be our second hardest game, or probably third. Probably can't call them better than Notre Dame, but this could be our third toughest opponent all season, um, especially because we match up so poorly. You talked about Newman, too. Who, If you guys remember, we didn't even play Newman last year. We played Sam Hartman, who was a stud in his own right, and this guy's better than Sam Hartman. He won the, he won the job in camp. So I think you said this, too, but Newman's averaging 319 yards passing per game. He's also thrown 12 touchdowns versus just two picks, and he's already rushed for 160 yards and five touchdowns. So he's electric, and this is just, again, such a such a bad matchup defensively for us. And, and you know, hopefully we get Isaiah McDuffie back. It doesn't sound like that's the case based on, you know, if you if you overanalyze and interpret what Daz is saying in the presser. We've also heard some rumors that they're going to shut him down. And, and, and if he plays at all, it would be maybe in the last four games. So right, for the red shirt, right? Yeah, exactly, which I don't love. I mean, I think that, you know, we should be playing. If, if he's healthy, he has to be in there. I don't really care so much about the red shirt. That very rarely becomes a thing ever where it's like, oh, I wish we had this guy. I wish he had redshirted in 2017 or whatever, right? So um, if he's healthy, we need him in there uh, now more than ever against a team like this. So that's that's you know, that's pretty much the story of the offense is we're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And if you look at Wake Forest's schedule too, like I, I think that that they legitimately have a, have a shot to win 10 or 11 games this year. Already 4-0. We are by far the toughest game on their schedule over the next five weeks until they go into Clemson. So if they are able to come out of Chestnut Hill with the win next Saturday, there's a good chance they're looking at 9-0 and before going into Clemson because in between the two, they host Louisville, they host Florida State, they host NC State, and they go on the road to Wake Forest. Neither of those are you know impossible games by any means, again, especially against good team that where's Wake Forest the, has been. Where, so. Where's the Clemson game? Is that at Wake? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, Clemson is at Clemson. Okay. Because uh, I was going to say, I mean, the way Clemson's looked, could Wake pull off the upset? I, I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, a lot, be, a lot of football, a lot of football between it. But then at the, in the final two weeks, they host Duke, which is a walkover, and then at Syracuse. So like, there's leg- it, 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 I think honestly, like we are their second toughest game left, right? Which is crazy to say. Yeah, that's who would have but thought. It's, but it's at Clemson, and then it's at BC, and the rest of that is is they'll be favored in all of it. I would say for sure, unless it's, it's, I mean, obviously there's there's a lot of football left, and things could change. But looking at it right now, at least. Yeah, this is one of those wins that, you know, at the time won't be, it'll be, hey, we beat Wake, you know, great, but this is a win that could look a heck of a lot better 
uh, come November. So definitely with you there. Uh, let's talk defense a little bit. So so they returned 74% of their defensive production, which is fourth best in the ACC. Uh, those guys weren't great last year. The guys they are returning, they weren't great. Um, they were ranked near the bottom in FBS, allowing 33.3 points per game and 459 yards per game, which is a ton. They're mostly vulnerable through the air, as we saw last year. But don't put don't put too much stake in in Anthony Brown lining them up last year for 45 points. They did make a change at D coordinator. I think they might have fired him right after that game. If, if uh, they mis- played, I think they went and played Notre Dame the week after us and gave up like another thousand yards, and yeah. that was the nail in the coffin. But yeah, we we certainly contributed significantly to that. Got it. Yeah, and, and the, the D last year did see a lot of improvement once they replaced the D coordinator. So um, sort of a different team than we saw last year. I'll say it's our first. It's the first real test for offensive line. They have 13 sacks on the year, which is you know the towards the better uh, better end of the spectrum. And one stat that jumped out at me, Matt. These guys excel on third down defense. They only allow a conversion percentage of 27%. So a big key for us is, you know, just limiting the negative plays, getting, you know, not even getting to third down is, you know, we're going to need Dylan to t- kind of step up and consistently get four to five yards per carry. So if we do have a third down, it's it's third and we can run the football type of thing. Yeah, that's the key, right? And like, yeah. we're fine. We're, we're fine in those third and three situations. But, you know, we talked about the, the, the false starts, right? Like we can't have this go back to third and seven, third and eight because – we talk about it, but Anthony Brown's ability is is severely lacking in terms of that ten to fifteen yard pickup range. So uh, I'm with you. You got to keep that south of of you know four four or five yards or so to really give us a chance. I mean, against Rutgers, I think we were around fifty percent on third down, which you know is fine overall. But you probably like to see that number be a little better against a team like Rutgers. Not to go back to it, but it needs to. You know, again, that's that's going to be a huge test. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. So so with that, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of scared to give my prediction because I, I honestly this is. We're not a podcast that predicts BC to lose ever. This is where we lose sort of our uh, our integrity because we pick games. We, we pick BC to win every single week. Correct. Yep. Uh, and this week isn't going to be any different. But, Matt, I'm, I feel really, really concerned, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the football. If we gave up 48 to Kansas, if you if you expedite that, what is that? What does that mean? It probably puts us at, you know, 60 to 65. And our offense, well, I think our offense can put up points. It really requires AB to be on, which he has not been to date. With all that said, this is a prediction that defies logic based on all the above, but I'm going BC 42, Wake 39. And if, if, if there's one thing that's going to be, you know, 100% for certain, this will be a one possession game. I would, I would agree with that unless we get our, I'll say that we won't win by a blowout. We could get our doors blown off. I don't expect that to happen, but it's certainly possible. But, you know, again, look at the historical, uh, you know, r- historical rivalry against Wake Forest, so to speak, and all of these games are very close, like we talked about. So I'm with you. This is not going to be any fun. I hate my prediction as well. Uh, I'm going BC 49, 47. I don't feel good about that at all. I don't know that we can score 49 points. I certainly know that we can give up 47 points. So I'm, I'm less concerned about the Wake Forest number there than the than the BC number. The line's not out yet. Again, like I said, we're doing this on Sunday morning. I don't know. I I feel like this will be a Wake Forest like minus three or four, right? Like that would be my guess. I mean, they're four and zero, and we look like shit. I mean, I could see it being a little higher than that. I could see yeah. it in the, in the six and a half range. Honestly. But I would say there's no way, there's no chance we're favored, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I, honestly, like, in, I hate to say what that. Universe, but. Matt. The uh, people, if people remember, think of Boston College right now. It's that we got our again. We got smoked by a bad Kansas team. Well, we talked about that against against Rutgers. Why that value was was so good on that line? Because if we didn't, if we even just won by a single point against Kansas, the line against Rutgers would have been like fourteen plus. Oh yeah, that was that was the easiest money I ever made. BC seven and a half. I mean, it's still Rutgers and it's still BC, so we're always gonna you know win by more than that. Although it was very much in question for a good period of time. There. Correct. But yep. but yeah, anyway, don't, don't count your chicken. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say Wake is probably just south of a touchdown favorite, if I were to guess. And I think that's, you know, it's probably pretty reasonable. And I don't want to bet BC. I'm going to bet BC because that's just what we do. But yeah, my, my confidence level is not high. Yeah, we'll see. So let's hope we get a good six days of practice between now and then. The defense needs to sharpen up a lot of things. Again, ACC football is significantly different than, than what we've seen so far. So at this point, you know, we kind of can only hope for the best and uh, the boys need to need to step up. Thanks again to our sponsors, Blue Chew and MyBookie, BlueChew.com, promo code armchair. And when betting on the birds to win the ACC starting next week, head over to MyBookie.ag and use promo code chair. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fourth and dude on both. And as always, be sure to keep an eye on our guys at Eagle Insiders, BC247. They will be churning out awesome content as ACC play starts this coming weekend. So sign up today to get everything you could possibly need uh, for all things Eagles. 
Hope to see everyone on Saturday. I'll be at the usual fourth and dude table at Dewey's. Plenty of koozies to give away. I think we still have like 200 or something in my apartment. So I need to get rid of these koozies. Uh, so come say hi. We'll have a little bag of them. I guess look for the bright yellow koozies to find us. Thanks again for listening. Matt, I, I know we you know had a little bit of a, of a pause on the road to Charlotte last week, but I feel all right with where we stand today. We are back on the road to Charlotte and we keep rolling on. 14 and one. Just a matter of time, Matt. It's a dude alert, folks. Dude